So, time for a bedtime story. <laughs> so I mentioned, you know, uh, the monastery where I went to practice in Burma. When you arrive, you, you get uh, shown to your, your room and uh, they point out the schedule. And uh, when I saw my teacher, he pointed out the schedule and he says, now, at this monastery, all you have to do is sit and walk and develop mindfulness. And there's two meals a day, 5.30 in the morning and 10.30 in the morning. That's it. And you can sleep as much as you like between 11 p.m. and 3 a.m. No more. So I said, okay. And I was really on fire. I was really fired up to do the practice. And I was determined that I was going to uh, do or die. Maybe both. <laughs> but anyway, I was really committed. So I went to my room and uh, set my alarm. And uh, every night I would set the alarm for uh, four hours later. Uh, sometimes I'd go to bed before 11, but it would just be four hours. And every day I'd get up after four hours. And it was tough because, just like you, I never, I never tried to get by on four hours of sleep a night. So it took a while to get uh, kind of adjusted to where I would just do it. You know, the Nancy Reagan practice, just do it. And um, so one day, oh, and, and during that period of time, every day I would go report to my teacher, Upandita, at two o'clock. And I would have 10 minutes, walk in, do my bows, tell him about my practice. It would be translated to him, and he would say something back, give me some encouragement or instruction, a correction, and then I would leave. So, after I'd been practicing there for uh, a few weeks, in my practice I could see getting a little better, a little better, a little better. You know, when you go to report to Sayadaw Pandita, you have to tell him, how you experience the rising and falling of the abdomen when you breathe. You have to tell him that. That's how he evaluates your whole practice. And then you have to tell him how you experience the lifting, the moving, and the placing of the walking. And until you tell him those two things in detail, you can't tell him anything else that's going on. But after you tell him that, then you can tell him the rest of your practice, as long as you tell him that first. So he would always say, after you say whatever you do and it gets translated, he'd always say, is that all? Like, I guess so. And then he would give some advice. Well, one day, when I went to do my interview, there was a sign on his door that said, uh, Please don't repeat anything you've ever said before, only new experience. Okay, rising and falling, new experience. Okay, you know, you really, this set off a mad scramble to figure out how to say the same thing differently or see something differently. But anyway, it was a challenge. Evidently, some people were too wordy. So that really shortened up the, in the interview. 
and we could get done in 10 minutes. But one day, I don't know what happened, but I slept five hours. Now, I don't know, maybe I set the alarm wrong, or I didn't hear it, I can't remember now, but I slept five hours. So, but as soon as I realized it was five hours instead of four, boom, got up, started practicing. Two o'clock, my appointment came, my appointment time. I went to the door of Sayadaw's cottage, and I opened the door, screen door, and I walked in, and he's sitting in a chair over there, you know, just from here to the fire hydrant, and uh, for the fire thing. And uh, usually I would walk in and, and do my three bows and say what I had to say. I stepped through the door, and he looks at me and he says, How many hours did you sleep last night? <laughs> I wanted to say, I only, sleep, I only sleep four every night. But I slept five that night. So I said, Well, I, 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 I slept five hours last night. I don't usually, but I slept five hours last night. He looks at me, Please try harder. End of interview. <laughs> now, that sounds pretty harsh, huh? pretty like, ooh. But you know what? He told me something. He knows my mind better than I do. Can't hide anything from him. Nothing. You, you can go in and say whatever you want. He already knows. When you work with somebody like that, it is so liberating because you don't have to pretend, you don't have to rehearse, you don't have to kind of make a bad experience sound good, nothing. You just go in, tell it like it is. And you can get really, you really get clear about what your practice is and what, what you have to do. It is such a relief to work with someone that demanding because you know pull the wool over their eyes. And they're not interested in anything else. Whatever, whatever your story is, not important. What's only important is, how's your practice? So that was really invigorating, really uh, inspiring. So I said, you know what? I'm never going to sleep more than four hours again while I was a monk. Never going to sleep. So I made a vow to, when I wake up, I would get up. I wouldn't look to see if it was four hours or three hours. I just get up as soon as I wake up. Well, as things came to pass, I didn't need four hours. I didn't need three hours. I didn't need two hours. About an hour and a half a night. When you really just you're just practicing all the time for about three and a half years, hour and a half a night, no health problems. Now, if anybody had asked me, can you get by on an hour and a half of sleep a night? Of course not. But what you believe about your need for sleep is not true. <laughs> you have to find out for yourself. You can sleep as much as you like. You can believe whatever you like. But how do you know for sure? until you try, until you look, until you really test yourself. Our mind has infinite capacity, infinite potential. We can only grow into that potential incrementally, bit by bit by bit by bit, gradually just growing in capacity to open, to endure, to withstand, to be resilient, but there's no end, none.
And the Buddha said there's no end to how concentrated the mind can become and what, what the mind can know. Think about that. No limit. So, now I'm not saying you shouldn't get sleep. You get the sleep you need. But now, about this time of the retreat, many of you have got some momentum going in your practice, and while the body's achy after this many hours, and, you know, we, and we always know it feels good to lay down, if you've got the energy, please be kind to yourself. Practice until you can't practice anymore. Because it's hard work to, to get the momentum going, isn't it? It's hard work. You know, you've slept, you, you've struggled through all the sleepiness and restlessness and achy body and pain and what. Now you've got a little bit of clarity, a little bit of momentum. Take advantage of it. Use it. Just watch what's going on. Don't believe a thing your mind tells you. <laughs> really, just keep noticing, just keep observing, recognizing what is going on. But when you're just falling over dead tired and you have to get some sleep, of course, go to bed, lay down, get some sleep. Until then, you can stand up, you can walk, you go sit in the dining room, don't have to sit in here, sit upstairs in the lounge, or have a cup of tea, whatever it is, just extend yourself a little bit. It'll give you great confidence and courage to face your own mind, just to extend a little bit. Or if you go to bed now and you wake up before they bell, get up. Don't lay around with monkey mind in the bed. And monkey mind is dissipating all the momentum of your effort that you develop. If you're awake, get up. Don't, don't, don't lay in bed. So, but when you go to bed, there's an important practice to do when you're going to bed. It's called the Ananda practice. Now, you know Ananda was the attendant of the Buddha, right? He was the Buddha's cousin. He was the attendant. He was a great monk because he could remember everything the Buddha said. Everything. Every time he gave a discourse, he could repeat it word for word immediately. So when you read the discourses, it always says, Thus have I heard. This is Ananda saying, Thus have I heard. At one time the Buddha was... It's Ananda recited all of those things so they could be learned by other monks and then eventually written down 500 years later. But Ananda was not fully enlightened when the Buddha passed away. He was so busy taking care of the Buddha, he was like his personal assistant, that he didn't have time to practice. So he was not fully enlightened. After the Buddha died, they were going to have a conference, kind of like a convocation of 500 arahants, just to kind of agree on and kind of, re just kind of remember what the Buddha said and kind of codify it so they could remember it. So 500 arahants come together to, to have this meeting, led by Mahakasapa. And uh, the day before the conference, they said to Ananda, Ananda, we need you at this meeting, but it's only for our hunts. Sorry, you don't have a ticket. You know, see if you can go scalp one somewhere <laughs> or something like that. And, uh, you know, Ananda was kind of like, ah, you know, I really should like to be there. They wanted him there because he's the guy who could remember everything. Some of them could too, but he could remember everything. So all night before the, the convocation was to begin, he was practicing, sitting, walking, sitting, walking. No liberation. It was coming dawn, 
you know, the night is over, the, the meeting's going to begin in a few hours after they go on alms round. So he says, you know what, I've been striving too hard, I've been trying too hard, I'm going to go take a nap. I'm going to go take a nap. So he goes to his place where he takes a nap, and he kind of prepares the place, and he's, he's laying down, he gets, not standing up, halfway down, halfway in the bed, full enlightenment. Oh. I don't know if he needed a nap. I don't think so, because after you're, you're touching the bottom, you've got a lot of energy. So, you know, just to show those other arahants, he also not only got fully enlightened, he had all the psychic powers. So, he didn't even have to walk to the meeting. He just spontaneously appeared in their midst. And they were all happy. Yay, Ananda, like that. So that's why we have the record of the Buddha's teaching, because he did that. So now, when you get tired and you have to go get some sleep, don't forget Ananda practice. You prepare your bed, you take off your clothes, you brush your teeth, you put on your bed clothes, whatever it is, and then you're going to lay down. Pay attention. You don't know when you're going to let go and become fully liberated. So. Lay down, you're laying down, you're laying down, you're laying down. Boom! Head hits the pillow, you straighten yourself out, you pull up the covers, and relax. Let it go. Ah! Doesn't that feel good? I mean, I mean, this is what we go to bed for, is this feeling. Don't miss it. You know, be there for it, because... If you're not mindful, it'll happen and you won't even notice it. You won't even get the enjoyment of laying down. So really, keep your mindfulness with you until you're fast asleep. Because it's, you know, laying down and letting go like that is the closest you'll get to Nibbana until you, until you get it. Really. So don't forget your Ananda practice. And, it, and just in case you don't get fully enlightened tonight, at least you'll be relaxed. <laughs> Okay. And then, of course, when you wake up, get up. Don't laze around. Thank you for your efforts today. <laughs>